Welcome to the Well-Informed Teacher Podcast, brought to you by CORE at New Mexico State University, where we'll discuss and uncover creative ways to enhance the pre-K through 12 educational experience for all students and to strengthen instructional practices through the development of trust, collaboration, and capacity building with teachers, leadership, and community members. Now here's your host. Hello, and welcome to the Well-Informed Teacher Podcast, brought to you by CORE at New Mexico State University. I am your host, Jody Lenari. I am a reading and math specialist at CORE. If you are curious to learn more about the work we do at CORE, please listen to the mini episode that is posted on our channel. The focus of today's episode is a candid conversation about a family's journey with dyslexia. The National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke defines dyslexia as a brain-based type of learning disability that specifically impairs a person's ability to read. These individuals typically read at levels significantly lower than expected, despite having normal intelligence. Although the disorder varies from person to person, common characteristics among people with dyslexia are difficulty with phonological processing or the manipulation of sounds, spelling, and or visual verbal responding. There is no cure for dyslexia, and children do not outgrow it. There is hope, though, through strategies and research done to help students be successful in their learning journey. In this episode, we will be joined by Graceland. Graceland is a fifth grade student who, after struggling to learn to read for many years, was recently diagnosed with dyslexia. We will also talk to Graceland's mom, Shaylin, about the process of a dyslexia diagnosis and navigating resources to help her daughter be successful in school. As a disclaimer, this conversation is authentic and sometimes sensitive. We have the utmost respect for the student, parent, educators, district, service providers, and anyone involved in this conversation. We are all learning about dyslexia together. We ask for an open mind, heart, and thoughtful discussions. Thank you for presuming positive intentions. Hi, my name is Graceland, and I have dyslexia. Can you tell us what dyslexia is? Dyslexia is a reading disability. And what does dyslexia feel like? What is it like to have dyslexia? It's like words floating around the page. Can you give me an example? Like if your teacher gave you something to read, uh, what is it like to try and read something new? It's like I kind of stutter. And how do your teachers react when it takes you a while or you're stuttering? They just like let me try it. Then they tell me the word. What's school like? Has having dyslexia made it uh, difficult for you? Yes. How has it made it difficult for you? It made it difficult for me because, like, reading, because it's hard for me, because you have to have reading to be in school. So reading is hard? 
Mm-hmm. Is math hard for you at all? Yes. Why is math hard? And because it involves reading. Like if you're doing word problems or something like that? Yeah, there's so much word problems. When you got tested for dyslexia, what was it like? What did you have to do? I had to um, like do a lot of puzzles and it took a long time. Like it was like kind of puzzles and like reading. How long do you think it took? Two hours or one hour. Two hours or one hour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How did you feel once you found out that you had dyslexia? I felt relieved. You felt relieved? Yeah. Did it kind of make sense why why reading was a struggle after before that? Yes. Yeah. Um, what changed for you at school after um you found out you had dyslexia? Did did the because teachers do anything different? Mm-hmm. They helped me more. So you got more time with the teachers? Mm-hmm. Did you work with anyone new? Yes. Do you know who they were? Do you want me to say their names? No, just, do you know what they did? Was it <clears throat> like a special education teacher or a reading teacher? Yeah, it was like a special education teacher. Oh, okay. And reading teacher. And a reading teacher. Um, how do the other kids react <clears throat> when you uh, tell them that you have dyslexia or they hear you have dyslexia? How, how do other kids treat you? They, like, since the teachers help me so much, they're like, so I say I got a problem wrong, and the teachers just help me a little bit to read the math problem. They're like, you got extra help, you didn't actually do it. And then I'm like, then I'm like, I have dyslexia, and they're like, I don't even think that's a real thing. So they don't know what it is? Yeah. Do you think maybe you could help them understand what dyslexia is? Well, I try. How do you feel about reading? Do you like reading? No. Not at all? Nope. What subject do you like? Uh, Recess? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And PE? You like PE too? Um, what do you want people to know about dyslexia or students who have dyslexia? (laughs) They are smart, very smart, and you shouldn't believe in yourself. (laughs) So they're, they're very smart just because they struggle with reading. They're still smart kids, huh? Yep. Just like You you. Yes, you are good at other things. Maybe not just, maybe not reading, but you're good at other things. When did you first suspect Graceland might have dyslexia? Well, I knew there, I didn't really know there was a problem. I kind of thought that there was something or 
I remember in kindergarten, her teacher was kind of thinking maybe that could be possible. And I was like, no, she's too young. Like she's, she's going to be fine or whatever. And then as time went on, it was like, um, her first grade teacher, I think she loved her first grade teacher, but I think she kind of sugarcoated a lot of it and didn't, um, really, I don't know if she didn't know what dyslexia was or suspect it with Graceland, but she never really said anything about it. Um, and then when she got into second grade, her second grade teacher was like, there's definitely some kind of problem. I think we need to start the SAP process. And I was probably still in denial about that. Um, and then we re finally requested testing in third grade um, because her teacher was really involved and really um, worked with her a lot and it still wasn't helping. Um, but she never really described to me that the words float on the paper. So I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't know very much about dyslexia then. So I didn't really think that's what it was. Okay. So you kind of answered a little bit of my next question, but, um, what was the first step in actually getting her diagnosed with dyslexia? So, um, I sent a letter to our special education director at the time. Um, of our school district to tell her my concerns um, with Graceland's progress in her academics and that I was concerned that she could possibly be dyslexic at that point in time. I finally um, actually found out that it, there's a hereditary component and that her dad has dyslexia. So um, I wrote this letter to the special education director and that started the process to schedule when um, she would be tested for dyslexia, which was also during the COVID online times. Um, so we had to find out when and how and where um, she could be tested within our district for it. Did you understand what dyslexia was or, or what did you know about it prior to her being diagnosed? I thought that it was just like letters were flipped, like a D and a B or S's turned around backwards. Um, I thought it was that kind of stuff. I didn't know at first that it was actually like the letters floating on the page and moving around while she's trying to read. I didn't know that that's what it was. I just thought that they would be flipped for her. And then the more research I did, then I found out that it's um, it's more complex than just a flipped letter. And that's a really common misconception when I was teaching kindergarten because they do do those reversals. That's a very age appropriate developmental thing. And uh, a lot of parents would always ask, well, do they have dyslexia because of the reversals? And then I would have to explain, no, that's not. I know that it can be a warning sign later on. But in those early grades, everybody thinks that's exactly what it is. So I think that's a pretty common uh, misconception. Um, how did you feel when she finally got the diagnosis? I was sad for her because I knew that that meant that it was going to be a struggle. Because like a lot of educators that I knew before the dyslexia diagnosis were like, it's just one day she's just going to snap and she's just going to take off and start reading. She's just going to take off and start reading. And so once we finally got that diagnosis, I was like, no, she's not just going to take off and start reading without a lot of like intensive extra help. 
Um, so I was really sad about it, but I was also, I'm also really feel blessed about it because, um, I know that there's other learning disabilities that, you know, seeing a special person like a cult, um, and getting the strategies that she's going to need to learn to read. It's not that easy for everybody else. Like there's not strategies and things that they're going to learn. That's just going to let them go on with life. Like it's always forever going to be a struggle for them. And, um, we're actually really lucky that, that eventually this is going to be a thing in, in our past with, um, with her learning once she's, um, once she's learned all the strategies that she needs to move on from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really great way to look at it because there are so many things that, um, I don't want to say there's a cure, but just a way to, to, uh, combat it or, or overcome it as time goes on. So, um, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, how did the school respond, uh, or facilitate the process of the diagnosis? And then the next steps, how do you feel they worked with you, um, on the process? Well, that's a little bit sticky (laughs) because in our district, and I don't know about other districts, um, but specifically in ours, there's not a dyslexic diagnosis. You're, you have dyslexia. They will never come out and say you have dyslexia. They say, your daughter, your child has the characteristics of dyslexia. And I really feel like it's kind of a dance around thing. And maybe it's, maybe it's New Mexico wide. I don't know. Um, but there is no services within our district for students with dyslexia. There's not really, um, specialized therapists for it. Uh, there's not, um, special training that our teachers have gotten that it's actually going to um, help her or cure her, I guess you could say. Um, so it's it's like I don't know how to say it. She's it's just like you. They can't come out and say it because there's no. They don't offer anything to fix it. You know, if there's somebody speech impaired, oh, we have a speech and language pathologist that's going to help you with that so many minutes a week or whatever. There's not something like that for students with dyslexia in our district. So um, when we went to our first IEP, they um, they brought in the special education teacher, and she, the IEP facilitator and that special education teacher are like assumed that Graceland was going to be going into the special education classroom. And when I asked the question about her, because students with dyslexia, one of, from what I understand, one of the criteria for that is that they have an average IQ. They don't have a below average IQ. They have an average IQ. So um, my question for that special education teacher was, okay, if she's going to be pulled into your classroom for reading and math and writing, what is it that you are going to be doing differently that her general education teacher is not going to be doing? And the special education teacher's response was that she had special fonts for dyslexic children. Well, that's not going to fix it. That's not, that's okay. You have fonts. Like that's not, that's not going to help help, her as much as she needs. Mm -hmm. Um, so I declined for her to be put into the special education classroom. Um, 
and I feel like the special education teacher and the IEP, IEP facilitator were kind of like shocked about that, but um, I just didn't feel like that was appropriate for her. Although she does see the special education teacher um, for her testing because she gets more time in her accommodations and modifications for um, the extra time during testing. Um, if she needs more time to complete assignments, she has extra time for that. Um, but they don't offer specific anything for dyslexia. So she's not receiving anything at school for that. Mm -hmm. And that's a question I had as a primary teacher, because that bill came through a few years ago to have every first grader tested or screened, I should say, it's not tested, it's screened for dyslexia. And yes, they identify them as at risk, but then what, what's the next step? You know, there's no next step. There's not resources. So I yeah. definitely see a gap in, in the process for sure. Um, and so you kind of answered, you touched on it a little bit, but she is on an IEP. You were able to get an IEP after her diagnosis. Yes. She qualified in reading and math. Okay. So then was she diagnosed with uh, dyscalculia or dysgraphia, just, just dyslexia? Just dyslexia. I, from what I understand, I don't think that they go in depth enough to diagnose those kinds of things. I think it's just like, eh, she has the characteristics of dyslexia. That's it. Like there's okay. no deeper. So again, there's a gap there mm -hmm. that that we, you know, don't have, don't have the resources maybe for, for those more in-depth, um, tests. How do you feel schools, teachers, and other professionals can be better trained to work with students, uh, with dyslexia? So if you were to have a perfect world, what services would be available for students like Graceland? Uh, if it was a perfect world, we would have, um, we would probably need multiple cults in each class in each school because I personally, which I'm not a teacher or a cult, I don't, you know, this is just personally what I think. I think there's a lot of kids whose parents don't know how to even go about requesting that kind of testing. And so I think there's a lot of kids that have been labeled with specific learning disability and all of these things and they're stuck in a special education classroom when they really have dyslexia and nobody is addressing that so they're staying in special education from the time they figure out that something's wrong until they do or don't graduate um so i think that there could be there could be a need for maybe more than one in each school in our district, um, in each elementary school. And hopefully early intervention is going to mean that we don't need them in the secondary schools because they've, they've learned the strategies and they've overcome the obstacles and can move on without special education. So you've mentioned um, the specialists that work with dyslexia students a couple of times. Can you tell us what, what they're called again and um, what they do? So um, the, they, they receive special training in language. Um, I think it's the multi-sensory um, multi-sensory something it's it's the the acronym for it's called c-a-l-t it's a certified academic language therapist um and 
we found one after she was diagnosed in our area and, um, but she was going through some moving and building a house and stuff. So she let us know right away. I'm only going to be able to do this for a month. And then, um, we'll pack, we'll pick back up. That was in the summer. We'll pick back up when we, um, go back to school. So when it was time to go back to school, she, um, she has her own business and had another person that was doing her training hours um, that she thought would be a good fit for Graceland to see. Um, so she started seeing the new person and they were using, um, both Both women were using Taking Flight or an Orton-Gillingham program. And uh, she started seeing the new lady in September. And then in December, her second therapist was diagnosed with a major health condition. Um, so she wasn't able to see Graceland anymore. And since then we haven't been able to find another person to see her. Um, I contacted several, I think four or five cults that were, um, about 30 miles North of us to see if they could see her this summer. And no one, none of those people have any spaces available. They're full with all the students that they're already seeing. So we're hoping um, one of them is supposed to hopefully have a slot for her in August. So that's what we're waiting on right now. Okay. Um, have you found any <clears throat> resources that are working for Graceland? And if so, do you mind sharing them? Um, not really. I've done you know, like research about, um, the people that can help her here mm -hmm. in our area. Um, but there's not really been, you know, it's, they have these certifications and they, and people, some of the cults have registered with one association and some of them have, have um, registered with another, I feel like it's called Alta maybe. Um, and so I've looked between the two to find, um, somebody that might have a spot available, but there hasn't, there hasn't really been anything that I've used. Cause I, I'm really primarily just looking for a therapist for her. Um, but I did talk to one lady that did not have any spots for her, but she did mention that in about the 30 miles away from us, there's a support group for parents, for students that, uh, or children that have dyslexia. Um, but that's, that's been pretty much it. Okay. So again, there, <clears throat> excuse me, seems to be a gap in, in resources in this area. Um, mm -hmm. not just in the schools, but just in general. Uh, right. so what do you envision for Graceland in the future? Well, Graceland thinks that she's going to be a marine biologist, which we <laughs> do not have an <laughs> ocean have near us. <laughs> yeah. She will have to move really far. So <laughs> I think the reason she wants to do that is because she loves water. Um, but Graceland is like amazingly talented at like feeling out people knowing like what their body language is saying, what their tone, um, their voice, like the, the speed of their speech. Like she is so in tune with people and uh, it's like, it's, it's really crazy. Like you, you think, oh my God, she's 10 and she's, she can tell me what I know as an adult about someone, you know, but she, she's like, no, not that person. They've 
you know, whatever. So, um, I personally feel like she would be a really good, um, mental health therapist of some kind. Um, she doesn't think that yet, but maybe as she gets older, that might be more appealing to her. (laughs) But, um, I definitely think she's going to hope she's going to go to college and, um, just have a great life. Thank you to Gracelyn and Shaylin for their open dialogue about dyslexia. As we learned through this honest discourse, there is a great deal of work to do to ensure access to necessary resources for all students in New Mexico. As a state, we are in the early stages of understanding dyslexia, and work continues to be done at our public education department and in classrooms every day to improve access to the necessary services to ensure success for students with exceptionalities. In future episodes, we will dive deeper into available resources and equity of services available to all communities in New Mexico and beyond. By doing this investigative work, we hope to, along with anyone who listens to this podcast, encourage a transformation in how we provide crucial support to students with dyslexia. Please stay tuned to continue this journey with us. Thank you for listening to the Well-Informed Teacher Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you've gained new insights and fresh ideas about collaborating for readiness in education. Brought to you by CORE at New Mexico State University at core-nmsu.org. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time on the Well-Informed Teacher Podcast.